All right, everybody, welcome to the Eternal Leadership Podcast. I was just talking here with Steve Laswell. Steve, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, John. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, great to be here. And it's amazing how just uh, our experience, how we think, how we share. I think this is going to be a wonderful conversation. Just a little background on Steve. Uh, you've been in the nonprofit world for over 20 years, a pastor of Church of the Nazarene, and you were also general sales manager at a large uh, radio station and a station manager for uh, Cox Radio down there in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was just down at uh, Tinker Air Force Base, but that's not Tulsa, is it? No, uh, it's uh, no Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City. So beautiful area Correct. down there. Some actually had some really great food. Anyway, I'm segueing. <laughs> but yeah, you know, you took the segue from you know your radio experience, and you founded Next Level Executive Coaching. And you know me, I'm a huge fan of coaching. I'm an executive coach, and my personal belief is the coaching that I've had in my life has been so transformative, so powerful. I really believe everybody needs to be working with a coach. It's about how to start from a healthy present and get and move intensely into that best future, a future fully alive. So whether you work with Steve or I or somebody else that you find, I'm just putting a plug in for coaching. But Steve, you've authored a number of books. The first one, because this will give people a little background on kind of where you're coming from, The People Project, Your Guide to Changing Behavior and Growing Your Influence as a Leader. The other one is The Journey, Personal Notes from the Father. The other one is Leaders Create Space, Transform disruption into clarity for life and work. And that's what we're going to be talking about today because, you know, this happens all the time. I mean, it happened, oh my goodness, in my business life, personal life, my health, the action I've been through, these disruptions happen. They happen all the time. We cannot avoid them, but we have a choice, don't we? I mean, we can, our response is a choice and we can transform our response, especially if we tend to frame those things up as something happened to me into something happened actually for me that actually right. through this and because of this i could almost find joy in the adversity if i could you know trust god enough to acknowledge that what i'm going through is uh shaping me pruning me reconnecting me to the vine in a stronger way so that i am prepared and ready for the next season and i gotta tell you sometimes even in that storm it's hard to keep that perspective that's why it's you know, like why we do this with the podcast, to talk about stories like this and being in community. But Steve, I would really love to have you and kind of tear your journey. And I know you had some different, you know, phases of some of the things that you've gone through that really kind of set you up for what you're doing now. And I'd love to, for you to share, you know, a little bit about your journey and some of your peaks and valleys. Right. John, I appreciate the opportunity to be with you today, and uh, I already feel a kindred spirit from our pre-show uh, conversation and hearing a little bit of your story. And my journey, as you've outlined briefly there, is uh, I spent about 20 years in pastoral ministry and grew as a man there and uh, as a leader. And leading nonprofit organizations is uh, a little bit different, as you would know. And then stepped into a fast track through the radio business where I spent about 10 years and got some business acumen and some stripes of to kind of uh, have credentials, I guess, if you will, that I've been there, done that. And then in uh, 2007, at the end of the 2007 going into 08, the budget was being formed and I found out on a Friday afternoon uh, 
August 31st that my name wasn't in the budget and I wasn't uh, scheduled to come back for next year. So that was disruption, affectionately known as being pushed out of the nest because of, uh, you know, I'm not sure I would have proactively made that decision, although it was one of the best pushes out of the nest or out of a comfort zone, if you will, right? that I could have asked for. And so then uh, 2008, the best of times and the worst of times from an economy to launch a business is when I launched Next Level Executive Coaching and uh, have really had a fabulous experience in answer to what I believe God gave me what promise was to have an amazing second half. And that's what I'm doing my best to live out on a day-by-day basis. And, you know, as you went through that transition, right, uh, 2007, 2008, you know, you talk about transforming disruption into clarity, right? Mm-hmm. That was tremendous yes. disruption. And I know a lot of people, we hear feedback from our listeners, our audience. How did you actually take this ambiguity and this disruption and start to kind of narrow it down to, you know, a vision, like where you wanted to get mm-hmm. to, you know, what you wanted to do next, kind of that mission, you know, what's that mm-hmm. next mission that's going to move me toward that? What was that process like for you? That's a great follow-up question there, because I think it is instructive. Basically, when I think about disruption, it's uh, kind of, we have plans to go to the for a picnic or go to the lake, and it rains. And the rain is the disruption on my best laid plans. And I've got to figure out whether I'm going to kind of sulk about my ruined picnic, rained out party, or if I'm going to find another path. And so for me, in literally my journey, it was a shock and awe Friday moment. So I was, even though I'd been in the budget conversations, I was totally surprised by the fact that my position was being eliminated in the 2008 budget. So I first thing I did was I said, I'm not going to do anything for 30 days. Now, that may be a luxury for me and my story, but the main thing is it was not that I was not going to do anything. It was I wasn't going to make any major decisions for 30 days. And in the midst of that, life happened. We had a grandson born, went into the NIC unit, and just several different things that occurred. But I just lived life for 30 days. And then I began to seek out what might be in the future. And the way I came into executive coaching and leadership development space was I had a, I started making some phone calls to people that were in my, I called them my elbow network. They were close enough to me that I could talk freely to them. Yeah. And I called uh, the president of a consulting firm that radio company used. And Steve said to me, have you thought about executive coaching? And what was interesting is that while I was in with Cox, I was in the executive leadership program, which was a one-year leadership development experience that included having an executive coach. Well, that was my first experience with executive coaching. We also did an outward-bound professional excursion kind of thing, and then we had a couple of weeks of what we called Leader Lab in Atlanta. But what happened in my life, and I think this is instructive for all of us, is there are clues and there are touches in our story that if we pay attention to the story, the story will instruct us and connect us and lead us into the future. And so out of that somewhat casual conversation with Steve Marks, his question was, have you ever thought of executive coaching? And I replied, no, I haven't. From a career path, I just know from personal experience how powerful it's been in my life. 
And that, so there's a couple of things here. One, you never know how important one question is going to be in a conversation you have with somebody, right? And so here Steve's asking Steve, have you ever thought of, and the answer was no, but the seed was planted. So I began to look into, well, if I was going to become an executive coach, what would I need to do? And I didn't have a long ramp-up time, and I didn't have a company that was going to pay the fees for the certification, but I knew I needed to hit the ground running. So that's the path I chose. I went to Texas Christian University, Neely School of Business, and was certified as an executive coach in a three-month program so that on January 2008, I could hit the ground running. You know, it's interesting, our, our parallels there, just real quick as an aside, Steve, is mm-hmm. I was yeah. coming out of my accident. You know, God gave me this kind of marching orders. He said, I want you to equip and inspire leaders to work in my kingdom. And I'm like, okay, that's awesome. How do I do that? Like, where's page two mm-hmm. of the direction manual? There is nothing there. That was on a Saturday. On a Monday, I met with a friend of mine. He's a CEO, and he's like, hey, uh, Here's what's going on in my life. I have like these three pillars, business, family, you know, faith, and kind of my philanthropy and work in the community. And whatever I focus on does awesome. And the other one's language. He goes, I language. He goes, I've decided to hire a coach. And he goes, you need to be a coach. And if you become a coach, I'll be your first client. I'm like, that's awesome, Greg. What's a coach? I had never been coached at that point. And that led me into this road. And what I want to do, because I know this is kind of a foundation of some of the coaching work you do and where you and I really are in alignment because you write this, each person is responsible for writing the story that they want to tell. You and I were talking before that a lot of us are kind of stuck in a story that other people expected us to tell or that we think we should tell or that we're writing a story that's really not in alignment with maybe who we really are at our best. Mm-hmm right? Mm -hmm. You know, we actually have the power and the authority through Christ to completely rewrite the script. And I'd love for you to share a little bit about, you know, where that came from, that we're responsible for writing that story, and how do we do it? Right. So I've made five observations about story, and it is kind of the centerpiece for my coaching process. And if I may just share those five and kind of go from there with our conversation. The first is that everybody has a story. So sometimes I think it's possible to get buying into this kind of victim mentality or woe is me, however you want to say it. But it's easy to think nobody has as tough a time as I have or say everybody else has it easier. But the truth is everybody has a story. Wins and losses, successes, failures, three steps forward, two steps back, pride and shame. And I don't mean shame in that negative sense of the word, but stumbling forward. So everybody has a story. The second thing is that every day we add to the story. And so some of the days that we live, they're just kind of common, ordinary days, and it doesn't seem like a whole lot's happening. And so it's like, well, I wrote a paragraph today in my, in my story. And then there are those days like August 31st, 2007, when I don't know if it was even a chapter. I think it was a whole new volume of my story was begun. So everybody has a story. Every day we add to the story. And from the standpoint of leadership, today you will have influence on someone's story. And so the way that we show up, even in the stories that you spoke about with, I think it was Greg, who planted that seed in your thought, he influenced your story with his connection to you and your connection to him. 
And so it's just amazing to me that we can have influence. I mean, it could be as simple as smiling at the cashier at the checkout, or it can be making a phone call to somebody because we get the nudge from God, the Holy Spirit, to, hey, you really ought to call Julie and give her a word of encouragement or just check in on her, to asking a simple question like, Steve, have you ever thought about executive coaching? And I promise you, Steve Marks had no idea. There was no script in his hand that was saying, I'm going to impact Steve Laswell's story today. Mm. But he actually did. And so I think that's a tremendous almost revelation to us that, man, I can be having an impact on somebody's story just by showing up authentically, just by being sensitive to the Spirit, just by watching my words and my behavior. I do have influence on someone's story. So everybody has a story. Every day we add to the story. Today you'll have influence on someone's story. And, and number four is there's always more to the story. And I love this observation because so often if we're not careful, we make assumptions and we know what assuming does. We jump to conclusions or we pass judgment without knowing. And so the whole thing about that fourth point that there's always more to the story is to kind of help me be more grace-oriented in my relationships and my connections with people. There's always more to the story. And then the last one, which you've already alluded to, is that I have personal responsibility to write my story. And sometimes if we aren't careful, we give the pen of our story writing responsibility away to somebody else. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that could be a parent that says something to a child. It could be a, a school teacher. It could be a peer where those piercing words that go to the innermost being of someone and damage them in ways, if we aren't careful, we'll allow the enemy to use those things that have been said into us or over us, and we actually give away the pen. And we are responsible to write the story that we want to tell by the grace of God and by the call of God and by being in connection with him through Jesus Christ. So, yeah, the question is, are you writing the story you want to tell and if not, what needs to change, which is what the next level journey is about, change. Well, yeah, and change, right? Here's what I'm thinking about, you know, in that, because I know I've done this personally, right? I've given away the pen. Mm -hmm. Or what I've done is I've actually, yeah, in giving away the pen, I've actually allowed people to write parts of my story and even put things in there that actually aren't true, that maybe I'm not good at something, mm -hmm. Right, or I couldn't succeed maybe with this endeavor, or I wasn't good enough to be really, you know, excellent in a certain area. And when some of that stuff gets written in there and we look at it and it's not true, but we accept it as a truth. And now that changes the arc of the entire story radically. And what do we do to root out some of those things that we've already either written into our story or allowed to be written into our story to actually get to the authentic story that if I was sitting here in partnership with Father God, rewriting the story would be very different. I believe that's kind mm -hmm. of the change. Is that the change that you're referring to? Yeah, and I affectionately call it the here to there journey. I'm here and I'm okay with here for a while, but then I begin to look out and I look up and I see future, and I say, oh, I could be there. 
And in order to experience change, there's four things that have to happen. One, I've got to want it. So desire is the beginning place of change. And so if I'm stuck here, I've got to have some way, someone perhaps even speaks into our story a word about a promise, a place, of significance, of better, of a there. And so in both of our stories, and I'm sure to the folks that are listening today, when we're paying attention to the story, there's truth that's in the story. And there's also lies that are in the story. So if we're going to get out of a place called Stuckville, it's not <laughs> a castle. It's not a full security prison. It's a chain link fence. And at the gate stands this guard dog named Fear who barks and says you can't leave and reduces us to just kind of stay where we are. And what we have to have is by God's grace and by the grace that comes in our story and by the grace that comes through the connection we have with other people, especially when we're wounded, we may need help with somebody painting a picture of a future potential, of there, of, of significance, a promise, because it takes pain and promise usually to move. Yeah, you know, a good friend of mine, Ford Taylor, says, you know what, uh, change occurs when the pain of staying the same exceeds hmm. that pain of change. And I think yeah, part of that right. is, you know, reflecting, and that's where a coach has really helped me is, you know, you talk about the here to there, right? If when the there becomes so important that I'm actually, that the pain of staying here, it becomes so aware of it that that pain of change actually pales in comparison of actually staying in this place that I'm at now where I've created. Because I describe where I used to be before I went through this whole process of place of smoldering discontent. I was even from the outside in professionally, everything was going great, but man, I was not happy because the story that I was embroiled in and writing for myself mm -hmm. had no fulfillment, had no joy. It had no, I don't know. I was just kind of existing to mm -hmm. get the next paycheck and the next affirmation from somebody externally. You can see that there was some, definitely some things in my identity that definitely needed to be worked on. But then I realized I could rewrite this whole thing. And actually, what if I just started thinking, what if, I mm -hmm. actually could live a life where I have, you know, I've been married 30 years now, that our marriage is better now than ever, that I have an incredible relationship with my boys, that I'm making a difference in the lives of everybody who's around me, that I wake up on a Monday morning and I'm excited to get out of bed because that's not mm -hmm. what life looked like. And I'm like, what if I could actually change the arc and it led me to that place? And there was mm -hmm. a lot of change that had to occur for me to rewrite the story in that direction. Yeah, you're spot on, of course. And when I think about this journey from here to there, I also think about there's this place called a comfort zone. Mm. And what's so interesting to me about a comfort zone is that it's a place where pain coexists. Mm, say more about that. Well, what's interesting about being human is that most of us have a high pain tolerance. And so we stay stuck somewhere where it's painful when it could be better. But like you said, the pain to stay is greater than the pain to go. And so how do we manage that pain so that we t 
tolerate it is I think we self-medicate. And some people literally use alcohol. Some people use food. Some people use busy. And if I just stay so busy that I don't have to stop and think, then I don't have to deal with the fact that I'm in a status quo pattern here. And my behavior status quo and my influence is status quo. It's comfortable, but it's not. And so there's this pain that we have to sit in in order to let it do its work to move us out. And if we do, pretty soon, going back to the analogy of the chain link fence, we pretty soon we lift up our eyes and we quit sitting in a victim mentality or a minimization or a rationalization of the truth in my story. And I began to say, well, what if, like you said, what if I take these chain cutters and I cut loose this chain that's on this gate? And what if I push past fear dog? And what if I step into what I call a safety zone, which is where I see the risk, but I go for it. And to me, The safety zone is kind of like a pedestrian crosswalk. By law, I can step in that crosswalk and those cars that are moving 40 or 50 miles an hour have to yield to me. But there's an element of risk that somebody could be on their phone and not see me as a pedestrian. But am I going to stay on this side of the street or am I going to go across the street? So I step into the safety zone. And once I do that, it's only a, a mere matter of few steps until I'm in the growth zone. And that's where the breakthrough comes. That's where I'm exercising both my ability and willingness to learn and to change. And that's achieved through consistent reflection on truth found in the story. So just as surely as it takes pain and promise to move, it takes time and truth to have a breakthrough, or TNT, if you will. We're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor. When you factor in all the hours it takes to read a single book, it's really an investment. Or if you're like John and listen to audiobooks, even at 1.5 speed, that's even more time. I just downloaded Eric Metaxas' Bonhoeffer on Audible, and it's almost a 23-hour-long book. Well, John and I are big fans of a book summary service called Blinkist. Blinkist has a library of more than 2,500 of the top books on the market. Most of them can be read in less than 15 minutes. So imagine taking all the key thoughts and stories of a book and distilling it down into a 15-minute read. That's what Blinkist does. Whether you're interested in leadership, marketing, entrepreneurship, personal development, sales, management, motivation, psychology, economics, finance, self-help, even marriage, parenting, history, and more, Blinkist has something for just about everyone. If you click the link embedded in the summary of this MP3 or go to eternalleadership.com slash blink, that's eternalleadership.com slash blink, you can try them for a seven-day free trial. And if you subscribe by clicking that affiliate link, it's a great way to help get a great service and help support the cost of editing and hosting this podcast. So go to eternalleadership.com slash Blink to check out Blinkist. Thanks. What is a, that safety zone? What does that look like? So I'm in my comfort zone, right? That pain's mm-hmm. existing. I've actually kind of accepted it. I've learned how to manage it. I do not feel like I'm fully alive. Mm-hmm. I did a survey of 10 CEOs recently and some faith-based, some not. It was just across the board. And something that really struck me, 
because they all use the exact same language. At some point during the conversation, every one of them said, you know what, I'd like to live life more you know, alive or fully alive. I'm not there. I don't know how to get there. don't know exactly what it looks like, but that's where I'd like to get to. And I think that is kind of describes almost that comfort zone, right? I've accepted the life that I have right now. So what is that moving into that safety zone? Because it seems like that's kind of the foundational to move into then growth and change. Is that accurate? Yes, I think it's impossible to avoid an element of risk. And so in both of our stories, and in no doubt within our listeners' stories, there are times when they have taken a risk. I mean, it could have been as simple as that when you asked somebody to marry you. <laughs> right. It could have been when you moved from one community to another or you quit one job and took another job or whether you went to school or you trained yourself technically. or I mean, there's just lots of ways that probably everybody listening to this because they're listening to your podcast have already done this. I'm just trying to make it clear as a map how to do this intentionally. And so the risk is getting out of what I'm comfortable doing, even if it's, let's just put a little story around going to the gym. I want to be better physically fit. I want to be healthier. Well, what's the typical response is to say, well, there is, I'm working out six days a week for an hour and I lose so much weight and I get so much muscle index. I'm just, I'm ready to be photographed with the best of the best. Well, that may be a long term there, maybe, but more than likely, it's like I need to drive to the gym and I need to go take a tour of the gym. I need to find out what the price structure is of having a membership at the gym. I may need to go drive and sit in the parking lot for a week and do nothing but drive to the gym at 530 in the morning to get a little habit going. I'm a gym goer. <laughs> and so the risk is in the little steps that lead to the big breakthroughs. And big breakthroughs are made up of little breakthroughs. Yeah, a friend of mine said that, you know, anything that starts out as this huge, you know, dream and vision, right? Something that mm -hmm. starts big usually ends up small. But something that ends up small, you know, starts small, those are the mm -hmm. things that turn into transformational change and big things. And, you know, it's always been my MO at this point in my prayer every day is, God, just show me that small step forward today, you know, that moves mm -hmm. me out of my comfort zone, you know, that moves me on the path that you want me to, to be on, that moves me toward, you know, growth and accomplishing those things that you want to have me accomplished. And I've, I got to tell you, it's a very different op way for me to operate, uh, Steve, than I used to prior to kind of going through my accident in this process where it was kind of all about me and my plans and my milestones and my business plans and things like that. In mm -hmm. operating in this mode, really, I would describe it as a place of completely trusting God that he does have a plan that all things do work together for good, the good, the bad, the ugly. But in all of that, having hope that these steps, the risks that I'm taking, the discomfort that I'm feeling is actually moving me toward the place that he wants me, which is way better than where I'm at right now. And where I am right now, if I try to live too much in the future, at least my experience is that's when overwhelm comes in. 
And so there's just so much I need to pay attention to, so much noise, so much distraction, so much chaos, so many ways I need to change that if I'm not careful, I just, I'm in Stuckville, but it's less fear than it is just overwhelm. And so when I'm overwhelmed, how do I move? And to your point, I believe, John, it is in living today with a belief in not just a a statement of faith, but a, a life of faith that God is sovereign and that he is trustworthy. And if I'm faithful today, my today will add to tomorrow, which will be a new today. And I'll string some todays together, and pretty soon I'm going to have a breakthrough, and I'm going to be there. I'm going to leave here. Yeah, you bring up a great point. I'd love you to share some more on this. The overwhelm, right? A lot of leaders, they're struggling with overwhelm. They're close to burnout. And I love how you put this, right? It, it comes from living too much in the future. So when you're working with a client and you're coaching with somebody, how do you pull them back from living so much in the future to, toward being more in the present, which really I do believe is a huge antidote to that overwhelm that we do feel. But mm-hmm. that shift of mindset, of thinking, of how we're you know working in our faith is that's a lot of change for some people. I agree completely. I mean, I think I'm walking into a wider space in my own journey of not allowing there's so much to do and and allowing the enemy basically to pervert my story. I mean, the pen is not just handed over to human beings to write into my story, but I can yield it to the enemy of my soul. I can yield the pen to Satan. And he's the extreme strategist, right? for confusion, for lying, for stealing, for killing, destroying dreams. And he does that by lying. And when we buy the lie, we don't have the truth. And if we don't have the truth, we don't have freedom. And it's that, it's that freedom, right? That freedom like mm-hmm. in the present to make decisions. I don't know. It almost feels counterintuitive, but that's actually the place where that life fully alive, I have found, really exists. Mm-hmm. And I think it is the cure, back to your point, about overwhelm. I believe the solution to overwhelm is a total submission, surrender, and confidence in the sovereignty of God, that he loves me unconditionally, will never leave me nor forsake me, and today is what matters. I love what Oswald Chambers says when he said something to the effect of what we call the process, God calls the objective. And so often, even in this here-to-there language, if we're not careful, it's about a destination when it's really about the process of engaging in change in order to expand my influence in the world. That's, to me, the essence of leadership development. Engage a process of change to have breakthroughs in my behavior, my unproductive behaviors, in order to expand my influence with people. Yeah, and the there is not the goal, because if I move from here to there, and now I'm there, that there now becomes the new here, doesn't it? Correct. Drop the T and you're here again. (laughs) So it's a constant journey. It is a constant process, isn't it? Which is the beautiful part of being human, is that we're not stuck. We don't have to be stuck. The limit is not on us that it is on other parts of creation that has to operate the way it was designed in the animal kingdom and even in the plant kingdom. But as human beings, we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind, how we think, 
But if we don't create space to think, then we do the unthinkable. Now, for people to get in touch with you, I just want to reiterate the book is Leaders Create Space by Steve Laswell. It's L-A-S-W-E-L-L. And your, what's your website, Steve? Next Level Executive Coaching Dot com. Okay. Or they can go to com. And as we wrap up, you know, one of the things you talked about, and I think this would be an uh, interesting kind of way to wrap up, is you talked about some, you know, what is, from your opinion, working with people in your research, right? What is the, you talk about the best predictor of future success. And what is that? I love this idea of, of us, and it really speaks to the growth zone space. The best predictor of future success is the ability and willingness to learn and change achieved through consistent reflection on truth found in the story. Can you say that and again? What, yeah, the ability and willingness. So which is the hardest, to have ability or willingness to learn and change? Mm-hmm. <laughs> For most of us, you know, it's my desire to change, not my ability to change. So the people that are listening to this podcast right now have already demonstrated success in life. So it's not an ability issue for the most part as I see and have experienced life myself. It's my ability and willingness to learn. So I'm also a follower as well as a leader to learn and change. And so I'm willing to let go of unproductive behavior in, in favor of something that is more effective, that's different that it's how I show up, how I have influence with people. Instead of a micromanager, I've learned to delegate. Instead of telling people what to do, I've learned to ask more open-ended questions. That sort of thing. And so it's the ability and willingness to learn and change achieved through consistent reflection on truth found in the story. And truth in this particular application is not capital T truth as in biblical truth or Jesus who is the way, the truth, and the life, but is feedback, experience, success, and failure. And that can even come through metrics of if I was in sales, what's the truth in the story? Well, last month I didn't make very many calls and my sales were off. In a family unit, it's like we ate dinner how many times together at the dinner table with no devices on. We sat there and had a conversation. So we have two responsibilities in this here their journey besides addressing the pain and promise. It's the TNT, if I may. Mm-hmm. And that is I've got to invest time in the pursuit of truth. And if you can just think of a draw a sheet of paper and on the left hand side you draw a perpendicular line from the bottom left corner up and then you draw a horizontal line from the left corner to the right corner from left to right at the bottom of the page is time and the perpendicular line up the left side from the corner to the top left corner is truth so if I say Steve I really want to know the truth but I don't spend any time in the pursuit of it, I don't get very far from where I begin. If I spend all sorts of time, but I'm not interested in the truth, or I have bought a lie, or I'm deceived or self-deceived, then I don't get very far away from home either. It's when I spend time in the pursuit of truth 
that that's what moves me from here to there. It is that consistent reflection on truth found in the story. And I believe that one of the means of grace that God gives us in our pursuit of, in his pursuit of us, I should say, is truth in the story so that we hunger for the truth of the story, his story, as we write our story. Yeah, and I guess the, you know, what's jumping out at me too is I think if you look at the there, right, if you invest the time and explore the truth and you really understand, you know, how God, not maybe how I'm wired, right? I remember Mm -hmm. uh, for me it was actually taking that time to seek the truth of how God wired me, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right, because in mm-hmm. that process, then the what he wired me for became so much clear. I was really struggling with what was the sense of calling and purpose and mission for myself, and I was focused on that. And I realized that I had missed a step, and it was what you just talked about. It was actually taking the time to understand the truth of who I was created to be, what the story that was meant for me to write, and in that, everything else actually became clear. And then I also mm-hmm. think it's really important to say, okay, what would that give me? If I did this, right? Remember, the pain of change, change doesn't occur mm-hmm. until that pain of staying the same exceeds the pain of change. And if I, I know for myself personally, I had to connect that place I wanted to get to, to something that was emotionally, spiritually mm-hmm. important to me. Yes. And I had a focus on that because sometimes going through this change process was difficult, right? I mean, looking in the mm-hmm. mirror and saying, you know what? I'm difficult. I have anger issues. I don't react well in certain situations. I have had self-destructive behaviors because part of what I'd led into my story is that I am not meant to succeed as an entrepreneur. I would actually do things to almost prove that mm-hmm. true without even uh, knowing you know, that it was like part of this, the story was running in the background. I was trying to prove the story true, Yeah. right? Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I had to take the time to actually look at some of the things that were in there that needed to be rewritten so that I could actually be operating from a different place, which then mm-hmm. gave me permission to do things differently, make different decisions, take different risks. And it was actually through that, and I'm still in that journey, I have by no means arrived. Sometimes I feel like I've come so far, Steve, but I have so mm. far to go, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right, I do. I so do. just as we wrap up, what final thoughts would you like to leave with everybody who's been listening in? What comes to my mind, John, is that we have a shepherd, a shepherd who wants to lead us, who wants to guide us, who wants to provide for us, who wants to order our steps and grant us favor, who wants to heal our hurts, our brokenness, our failures, and wants to turn it into something that glorifies him, a life to be told. And what we have to do is cooperate. Uh, And part of that is the intentionality of creating space to think and getting some clarity to act and then creating the opportunity to get better, which to me are the three creations of leaders. That's awesome. Thank you, Steve, for coming on today and sharing. This is so important. I really hope everybody listening takes something from here and just starts taking from some of these areas around your comfort zone, moving into that safety zone, looking at your story, what's in that story, 
how can you add to somebody else's story today, acknowledging there's more to the story? And I think also most importantly here that I wrote down and highlighted, right, that we have personal responsibility to actually write an accurate story, an authentic story. And the most comforting thing here is we have a partner in that, and that's Father God and Christ and Holy Spirit to actually give us the truth as we go in and and take that pen and we take control Mm. of that pen and we actually start to write from a different perspective. An inspired perspective. An inspired perspective. I agree. Thank you, brother. This has been awesome. I'd love to have you back on at some point and uh, sure appreciate what you're doing and the message you're bringing out in the world. And thank you for taking the time to be on the podcast. Thank you, John. Grace and peace to you and to our listeners. Yes, you too. 